What's up, y'all? This is Tiny and Kelvin Smith. Running back DeAndre Torrey. Senior receiver Michael Lawrence. Senior guard DJ Draper. And you're listening to Bruni's Breakdown Podcast, your home for North Texas sports. Everybody, welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24/7 Sports Podcast. I'm your host Matthew Bruni, and with me, once again in the flesh, is Colin Mitchell. What else would I come in? I don't know. I don't. I like. It's a great we're question. Talking it like like some cloth instead of flesh. Or I like? mean, I I'm I don't know. It just felt right to say in in, in the moment, and so I'm they just gonna roll with see it. Me. I'm just gonna roll with it. I can see you. What do you mean? Oh, they can't. Uh, they can't. The, the listeners, they don't know what fl- my flesh looks like. Well, you're wearing floral shorts, so. <laughs> You have flowers these on are, your these shorts. These are my beginning of every season shorts. I, went, I, I, wore, I usually wear these to the first game of every year just because, you know, got made fun of from a... From I made fun of you. Yes. And uh, so now it's a, it's a, it's a tradition. Once, once, once a year, oh, I wear them more than once, but you, you know, wear them first all the game, time. it's got to happen. Yes. You are completely unprofessional and show up in attire that makes you look like you work for... I'm not gonna throw anyone in the bus. I don't know who. I don't know who you. I almost for. threw. It me. looks like you don't work for anybody. That's what it looks like. Well, guess what? I do. But your quality, photo quality, still on point. We went out to practice this morning, and to get some photos for some upcoming stories. Be on the lookout for them. And Colin is a uh, Colin. Still got the, still got the I, finger. I, had had had, <laughs> had to knock the rust off. <laughs> I don't know what. What what it what did be referred the shutter to? Shutter button. Yeah. So yeah. got the the shutter finger. The shutter. Yeah. There you go. All right. We're gonna just move on <laughs> right from that. Um, but yeah, we have a big podcast today. If you didn't check out our defense preview podcast, go check this that one out. Be better than that one, but still check it out. Sure. I mean, it's they're completely different podcasts. I don't know how you, you can have to shoot them. higher every every. Well, I think we time. progressively get better, so I'm not worried about that. But yeah, last week was the defense We're podcast, and this week is the offense podcast. We are going to dive into this offense every way imaginable really um the depth chart we're going to review 2018 we're going to look at position by position we're going to look at some questions that need to be answered we're going to go on sleepers our expectations and we're going to answer questions from our listeners Colin so we have a big big podcast today are you excited my excitement is growing good I I (laughs) that's what I like to hear because we had a good day at practice today so honestly I'm glad Y'all listen to this podcast like hours after we make it. Like it's a, it's one o'clock, one thirty right now. Normally we make this thing at like five. It's mm-hmm. like an all day thing, you know. I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm excited not only for this podcast but also to finish earlier. You have to go play with your dog. Oh, maybe I'm not as excited. Jesus. She's a lot. She's a lot. Yeah, I know. You spend all all day with her. Anyways, Anyways all right, here we go. Let's review 2018 first because 2018 was a year that has some mixed reviews about it I'd say in my opinion but a lot of people remember it as Mason Fine's junior year and the year you had Jalen Guyton and Rico Bussey on the outside they averaged 34.6 points a game 6.2 yards per play 4.3 yards per carry on the ground 154 yards per game on the ground um DeAndre Torrey had 175 attempts at 5.6 yards per carry and 15 touchdowns on the ground Lauren Easley was second in attempts. I believe he was at 78 attempts, and which is crazy because he only played five games. Um, in the air, Mason Fine completed 65% of his passes through 27 touchdowns and five interceptions and averaged 292 yards per game. Uh, Quinn Chambord played in all 13 games, which kind of surprised me looking at it yesterday. 
because I don't remember that exactly, but actually... played in, it, it's listed. That's what it is. 13 games played for him. Regardless, the offense as a whole lost eight fumbles and had eight interceptions. Um, oh, on the outside, you had obviously Dalen Guy in 805 yards, six touchdowns, but you had Rico Bussey break out with 1,017 yards, 12 touchdowns in 12 games. Insane. And then you had Jalen Darden, 575 yards, four touchdowns. Mike Law, 433 yards, two touchdowns. And let's see what else I have here. Oh, 37% on third down conversion, which isn't very, which isn't great. And then 42% on fourth downs, which also isn't horrific. You haven't have that third and one analytic. No, I don't have that. I don't have that on me. It wasn't that high. Yeah. The last stat I have (laughs) is they allow 28 sacks, which which is significantly better than it was first two years of Seth Luttrell's tenure so I mean all all in all it was a successful year how would you describe last year in one word yeah you Dang. were about to answer it and I then about, I, I threw the curveball and, and he threw the curveball at me one word huh let's go with underwhelming even though they averaged 35 points a game it was a very a very <laughs> padded 34 points a game okay it was it was because you look at the first four games of the year you're talking uiw smu um liberty and arkansas were all around 40 points so yep i mean you get those games out of the way early and they had big performances against bad teams like rice when they put up 40 um and other games but then there were stretches and even old dominion when they scored 28 in the first first half, and then it's going to score three from there. You still put up thirty one points, right? So on, at the end of the day, you see thirty one points. You're like, oh, you know, that's not a bad day for the offense. But against Old Dominion, when you had twenty eight in the first half and put up three in the second half, that kind of tells the story of the season, in my opinion. Because yep. you can put up all the numbers you want, but at the end of the day, when you watch the games, you're just like, something's off. Yeah, like it something never really seemed like, like Mason like, was able to kind of. I, you, everyone felt like last year was going to be Mason's coming out of his shell proving that he's able to play possibly at the next level. I mean, like it, it was supposed to be full circle and they have one more year to do it again. Mm-hmm. And now it's it was just kind of like a almost like a lame duck season. Yeah, but he did was, it. He did it, but you could argue his sophomore season was better than his junior season. You can. I would say that I would rather have sophomore year Mason Fine than junior year Mason Fine even in terms though, of the way he played. Even though he had 15 interceptions compared yes. to 5. Yes. I feel like if this team took more risks, if Mason took more risks specifically, with the way that they, everyone else improved improved around him, that having a Mason fine that would just sling the ball around would be beneficial. I don't want to put all that on Mason. Obviously, a lot of that. I'm not putting it all on Mason. I'm just saying you wanted to see him throw more, and I felt like. Did you want to see him throw more? Did you want to see him throw more aggressively? Aggressively on on the attempts that he. I, I wanted to see a lot less throwing it to the flat or doing check down plays you mm-hmm. know what I mean I wanted to see yeah I wanted to see big throws because I know there was a few of those uh, throws that he had over the top that were just complete misses and it was kind of like well Asher's Mason fine wouldn't have done that there was a lot more indecision I think is the main thing there yeah. was a lot more times of okay well I I want to be aggressive I want to keep the foot on the gas but we're up two touchdowns so we're just going to take the the underneath we're just going to run the ball we're just going to do this instead of you know keep the foot on the gas and that showed a lot of times in the second half but even in the first half of games when they're playing teams that they know they're better than 
for instance, UTEP, for instance, Rice, UTSA, UTSA. When you play, when they play teams that they knew that they're better than, they kind of had that mentality from the start, and yeah, then they like had to break won. out of that. Like they've already won. And yeah, yeah. In in a way, it's it's that they thought they already won. In a way, it's that we know that if we just don't mess up, we'll be fine. And that's the mentality that kind of hurt them a lot of the year in the first half, just as much as the second half, because in the first half, when they were slow out of the gates, they had to tell themselves like, okay, well, now we got to really stick it to them. Now we really got to put a foot on the gas. And it's hard to mentally flip that switch Mm -hmm. just on command. Even if it's halftime, you still have to come out with that mentality. And no matter how much... Latrell preaches that no matter how how much Latrell or anybody says let's dominate for four quarters there was just a sense in that locker room there's a sense on that team last year that we don't want to go and make the mistakes that let bad teams beat us but in doing that they almost let the bad teams beat them and they did on one occasion so yeah. that's um that's what I felt about like about last year's team, mm-hmm. and that's what I mean, we we covered that in depth all of yeah. last year, really. I mean, we thought they were going to lose against UTSA at halftime. <gasps> I mean, they, uh, they almost did. Bernie and I were in the press box, and we were like, "Well, this is a disappointing end of the season." <laughs> yeah, it was, and UTSA is a field goal away from sending the game to overtime. So, uh, there is a lot of room for improvement, even though the stats show an offense that was probably top. 20 in the country yeah and uh so that's what i'm excited for so, going into this year. so would you call the season a success or no last year yes i would if they lose against fau by any point margin is it still a success you mean last year yes even though they beat fiu fau if they FAU? Lose fau last year would it still be a success but why why the fau game specifically because i feel like that's kind of like the oh we finally beat the people who beat us the last two years yeah and i feel like that game in itself because it was kind of toward the end of the season it was like okay well we know we can't get the conference championship game we don't know if we're gonna win or go to a bowl game and well you look at you look at the games that they won in conference last year right they were against utep rice southern miss and utsa so last year those are the four worst teams in the west division pretty much Mm -hmm. Um, so they only went four and three in conference, if I'm not mistaken. Am I wrong? Lost to UAB, La Tech, La Tech, and and Old Dominion. Old Dominion was in the other division, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but still, you you lost to teams who in in conference play you lost to you beat the teams that weren't exactly impressive. Like Southern Miss was good, but they weren't that impressive. On paper, they were supposed to beat every team. Yes, exactly. So when you look at that, when you look at it that way. In the fact that they didn't overachieve at all, really, last year, and especially in conference play, like they beat the teams that they're supposed to beat for the most part, except for Old Dominion, and they lost to Louisiana Tech and UAB, who are were better than them last year. No matter like if a blocked field goal decided that or not, mm-hmm. they still lost those games, and they still should have or could have won them. And I think yeah. the mentality was the biggest thing for that team last year. And that's what the hurdle that they're going to have to overcome this this year. But I think they learned from it. I think a lot of the change is going to help that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the bringing in Coach Reader, playing with more pace is going to change that as well. But um, And we'll get into all that in more depth later on in this podcast. But I feel like that's a good recap of 2018. Yeah. Okay. Let's start position by position breakdown here. Let's just start with the one that we all know, quarterback. Yeah. Let's start, uh, let's start with senior, senior quarterback Mason Fine. 
He was once a baby, and now he's a man, he's a man poised to go to the NFL. God. And who knows what he'll do. Preseason Offensive Player of the Year in the Conference USA. He is back-to-back Offensive Player of the Year in Conference USA. Uh, he's come up short of that MVP twice. Devin Singletary Thanks, and Stuck still. Yeah. Um, but I think this is the year for him. And uh, obviously this is the last year for him to do that. Yeah. But there is so much riding on this season because you have like okay like we like we said sophomore year mason was kind of wild 15 interceptions whoa you know he whatever however many touchdowns it was um and however many more big plays there were his sophomore year than junior year then you get to junior year and it's kind of flipped it's like okay well this guy completed 65 percent of his passes but and threw only 28 touchdowns and but he but he only threw five interceptions so you're kind of at a give and take so you Gave a lot with the big plays on sophomore year. Then you, you know, took took a lot with the sophomore year or with the junior year, Mason. And now you're kind of like, why not both? Why can't we have the high completion percentage and the explosive yeah. plays? Because he should be that good. Pro Football Focus had him as the fifth best quarterback in the country. That's 15 the, spots that, above Jordan Love. And also, I, I don't want, this isn't about Jordan Love, but Jordan Love was entirely too low. 20 on that list, but six spots below James Morgan from FIU. It's crazy for me. I love Jordan Love. Big Jordan Love guy here. Regardless, <laughs> um, Mason Fine is the fifth best quarterback in the country, according to Pro Football Focus. Okay, I was going to say, you were just writing that Who I trust. Now? I trust Pro Football Focus. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's not just some blog somewhere no. saying that. This is like, that's a national accepted. Yes. Stat, stats-driven yeah. program with, yeah. with smart people there, do their homework. Um, yeah, Mason 5 is fifth to them. And so there's no reason, zero reason, that this offense shouldn't be geared towards him, shouldn't be played, shouldn't be set up around him, shouldn't be built around him. Tailored be, for him. Yeah, tailored for him, through him. Anything he wants is his, considering he's a top-10 quarterback in the country. And... That's just... Does that make him the best talent in Conference USA? Yes. Okay. I don't think that's particularly... I mean, yeah, I don't I don't really think that's that's too much of a hot take at all. I think I don't think it's a hot take. I just think it's like when you put it in, in, in respect to the league, you're saying with him being a top five quarterback that he's the best player by far in Conference USA. Yes. Yes. Regardless um, of position. And isn't that... Isn't that weird to say? I was about to say that. Is it... This is kind of going to go Would off... Would you have said that last year? Probably, probably, probably. Okay. Probably. Um, Dalen Ferguson is really good. Was really good last year too. So it was one of those. Two. Anyways, um, real quickly, I just want to say how weird it is to say North Texas is going is the favorites to win Conference USA, and has the best player in it, and should have the best offense. It has a top five quarterback in the nation. That's what I said. Yeah, they have the best quarterback in the in the conference. Yeah, top five. Yeah, however you want to phrase it. This team should, on paper, win ten games. Yes, nine or ten games. Okay, so, so in the regular season, if we're okay, I was gonna say. So what what are okay losses? What are losses that you will Houston, considering they beat who they're supposed to beat? The three conf- the three non conference games are all acceptable losses, unless if they're by more than ACU. No, the three of the four. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> three of the four are acceptable losses, assuming that they. Um, and we'll get into this next week. Next week we have a loaded podcast with our season preview and whatnot, and we'll look at the schedule and all that good stuff. So we'll get into that in depth. But um, 
So I don't want to go too far out on a tangent. Right, of course not. But it is interesting looking at the team on paper. Because when you look at this offense on paper, you can't help but be like, wow, this team has so much talent. But we're the last two years have kind of... And I don't want to say they've instilled in us that... You know, though this team will be really good, but I don't know if they'll win the conference. No, the expectation for this offense, for this team, is to win the conference. Yep. And that's not a stretch at all, regardless of how the last two years played out. Regardless of going four and three in conference last year, this team should win conference. And so when you look at this offense, you have Mason Fine at quarterback, and it starts with him. And so I don't think it's unreasonable to expect 4,000 yards from him. Well, he had, what, 3,800 last year? I, I think it was 36. 36. Something around sophomore there. year, 3,800. Because I remember we were we were trying to figure out down if he'd hit four thousand. Um, no, I don't. I don't think you could say that. That's. I mean, everything, the highest ex- expectation possible. Besides Heisman, unfortunately, should be Mason Fine's goal for this year. I mean, just because no group of five school, especially North Texas, is going to get Heisman with all the talent. right Yeah, now for sure. There. I so, mean, with two. Yeah, with yeah, with Michael, Trevor Lawrence. Michael, Trevor Lawrence. I almost said yeah. I almost said Michael Lawrence. <laughs> anyways. Um, all right, so Mason Fine, starting quarterback. We know that we will talk about him to death this season because we love Mason. I'm on the podcast, Mason. Anyways, uh, backup quarterback though is a little more interesting. We have oh, Jason Bean. Oh, we're gonna talk about this whole depth chart, Colin. Okay. Jason Bean, Austin Annie, Case, and Martin. All of them are redshirt sophomores this year, and from what redshirt I, freshman? No, redshirt sophomores. They were redshirt freshmen last year. I'm almost positive. No. What's the depth chart say? Freshman, right? Freshman. Kaysen's la- first year was last year. Damn, you're right. Yeah, redshirt freshman. I'm sorry. I have freshman written down, too. I don't know what I'm looking at. See, this is what happens when you try to go off snap memory and you don't just be better. trust what you just be just, down. Just, All right. So you have Bean, Annie, and Martin. Yep. Now, we both liked Austin Annie coming into this, this fall. Uh, I liked him up to last week. So... I will. Uh, Bernie said today that he is "quote unquote" off the Austin Annie train. Yeah, I'm off the hype train. So, uh, I'm. I mean, I've just seen this. I've seen the coaching staff give Bean, give Jason Bean too many of the backup snaps, and he's made a lot of good throws. And he's mobile, and he's seems capable. So, I, he's obviously not as filled out as Austin is, but I mean, I think he can come in for a few plays here and there. So that'll be interesting. Uh, so Bean is my backup quarterback right now, who I have down. Yeah, I think I think he'll I think he'll be backup quarterback. I think, like I said, I'd rather have Jason Bean at backup quarterback, but I'd rather have Austin Annie starting. If, if that yeah, makes sense. It does. Just because of the way they play. Um it would take Austin more time to get into a rhythm. He'd have to start for obviously that to happen mm-hmm. instead of coming in for an injured Mason fine, whereas Jason can come in and have a similar role to how Quinn and had he's last mobile. season. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So uh all right, let's talk about the running backs. Oh, hold on. Oh, you have for those, for those, let's just let's just break the news. Kaysen Martin is not getting the backup quarterback. Very sorry, and I love Kaysen. Yeah, talked to him once, played basketball against him once. Did you win? Yeah, it was good times. Can't even win. He, he, oh my god! Oh. <laughs> Always coming up short. Okay, Always no, we're not saying this. Damn, this is how we get in trouble again. Um. So, anyways, no, that was a good game though. It was against Kaysen and Cole McCrary. Good game. Good guys, too. They're tall. They are tall. What's your height again, Bruni? Um, six foot? Six foot. All right, we'll go with it for this yeah, podcast. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about, let's talk about the running backs. DeAndre Torrey presumably is the starter. 
I don't think we, there's any objections there. No. Right? From what we've seen, from what we've heard. DeAndre Torrey starting a running back. Uh, once again, this year, even though Lauren started the first five games basically last year, uh, Lauren Easley, I assume, to be the backup, even though he's still... Still in a brace. Yeah, he's still... I don't think he's 100%. I think he's at about 90% right now. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of speculation, but it's kind of just knowing that he wasn't like 100%. Like, he wasn't in spring yeah. at all, obviously. He tore his ACL. And so it's still almost that year process, you know? It's that year around cycle of recovering. So um, I hope he's back. I hope he's back to 100% by uh, week one or two, but... Right now, I'm kind of concerned, but I still think he's a second or third running what's, back. What's, what do you think people should expect of him <laughs> for this season? Mm-hmm. Last year, he had about 78 carries in five games, which is a lot. That's about what eight carries a game, about 16. Um, if he is the backup backup running back, and I do think he provides a power element that nobody else on this running back depth chart provides, um, except for Oscar Attaway. I do think there are spots for him, whether it's on the goal line or whether it's on a short yardage situation or whether it's just um, needing a power back more so than Tory, who is obviously he is strong, but he's you know he's five five eight, and so it's it's tougher, and he'll have that leverage. Tory will, but it's different from a guy just straight overpowering people. It's different right. from a guy who is five ten or five eleven falling forward for an extra two yards. You know, it's just different. So I can see him being used a good amount, um, whether it's end zone, third down. So I'll, I could see him getting around seven, eight carries a game. Then do you think that Oscar has a chance of being moved above him, just from a pure potential standpoint? Like, do you really think the drop off from and because, like you said, ACL injuries used they used to be career enders, yeah, like twenty five years ago. Like people didn't come back from those, and now you can recover from them in eight months. But there's always, like you said, that year, the extra year, and we see this in sports all the time. Players never come back as as good as they were the year before. It always takes that extra year. Yeah. So do you think that the drop off between him and Oscar is so small that they might just move Oscar up? Well, the thing is, the reason to play Oscar would be for potential reasons, obviously. Right. But you have Lauren. Even Easley, if it is just those six games. Yes. And you do, but you do have Lauren Easley, who gave himself to this program, who tore his ACL with this program. And he's a retro senior. I feel like, yeah, that has to count for something. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like if they're close enough. First of all, the ultimate goal, which I don't think will happen, would be to retro Oscar Adaway. That would it be could the, happen. That would be you, the ultimate goal. But you play him six games. You don't play him four, in the, the four. In the, four though. I thought it was six. Is four. Four. Okay. Four. So that'll be tough. Yeah. To do. You'd have to. You'd probably sit him out non-conference, and then maybe do. We'll see. I mean, we'll see if they don't use him on special teams or something. I'm saying, I don't think the plan is to redshirt him. But, you know, hmm. best case scenario is you don't need him and everyone stays yeah. healthy and you can use other guys like Trey Sagers and whatnot in those in those roles that you him in. Um, so I think Lauren and Nick, Nick Smith, who I haven't mentioned yet, will be the backup running backs pretty comfortably. Uh, I still think Nick Smith is a guy who, I don't want to say he's underrated, but I think he is he's a good back. He was the heir to Jeffrey Wilson two years ago. Yep, and then injuries just just nagging, yeah injuries, nagging. and then bringing in DeAndre Torrey and Lauren mm-hmm. Easley and all that stuff kind of derailed that. But we know what Nick Smith is. He's a very smart guy. He's a very team oriented guy, and I respect him for all of that. So I think Nick and Lauren will be the backup running backs. Then you get to out Oscar Attaway, who I think could get some carries, and who I would be kind of surprised if he redshirts, even though he is a freshman and he's the fourth. 
or string, in my opinion. Yeah, but like um, you said, there's other places they can. Put yeah, them. they're in, and they also have guys guys like Trey Sigers and Evan Johnson who are right behind them. Who I don't think the dro- I don't think the drop off is that big between mm-hmm. them. So that's just what you have to look at when you look at this running back court, running back group, which has six guys who are legit. Who yeah, I don't think capable. Yeah, who I don't think there's a huge drop off between one and six. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but I would rather take one than six. So I'd rather. I'm not gonna say. I'm like. I'm not saying DeAndre Torrey is interchangeable. Right. You're. I'm saying just saying the drop it's not, off is not nice. like having a star and then dropping down to some practice. Not Jeffrey Wilson to Willie Ivory. Yeah. I don't that know. was that was hurtful. I like Willie Ivory. I didn't. I didn't. I never met him. He was gone before my time, which is crazy because that was only 2016. Um. All right. Let's get to receivers. Outside receivers first. We know we're gonna have Rico Bussy. That's the man. He is the one. He is the one everybody has eyes on. Defense is included. We um, saw last year Jalen Guyton get far more attention than we expected. That was predicted. Jalen Guyton ended up only having six touchdown passes, even though he had 800 yards, which is good. Rico Bussey had 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns in 12 games. What are, what are our expectations for, for young Rico over there? I feel like Rico and Jalen... Although I feel like last last year I feel like a lot of people thought they played they were the same type of player, but I think Jalen is more of a route runner type of receiver, a guy that can be crafty with his routes and kind of get open. Whereas I think Rico is more just will just impose his will over. Mm-hmm. He's uh, str- he does seem a little stronger. I feel like he's more physical. Like I would I would rather throw him the ball up than uh, Jalen last year. Just throw it up, see who gets it. Kind of like Dez a few years ago, um, but you don't really think of. I'm not saying Rico can't run routes. I'm just saying Jalen was so much more precise in everything he did. I feel like Rico plays a lot more physical and uses his physicality a lot more. So, yeah, I think he is a little like an inch or two taller than Jalen. Yeah, he's six. I think he's six three or six, six two. I mean, I feel he he looks six two when you stand next to him. Yeah, and you look so at him. six two, two hundred. Yeah, he's pounds, he's a big guy. So. I I agree in that sense, but he is going to be the only. Is it fair to say he's the only big play receiver? This team, which isn't like a knock to anyone else, because it's hard to be a big, big play, play receiver. How? Like you like, mean like like yard like fifteen yards is a big throw, or you mean like, like 20, 20 yards? Like if you run a twenty no. yard post, like I feel this like man, like who? Like I'm not looking at Greg White or Jair Shorter or Jalen Darden to. I feel like Jalen Darden can get top you those off off of after the catch though. But that's not that's not taking the top off a of defense. If you're talking about taking, taking the top, top off a of defense, you're ta- if you're talking about taking the top off, then 20, no. 25 yards. If plus. you're talking about taking the top off, no. Big plays, I think Jalen has that potential. Okay, yes, but that's there's a difference between yards after catch and catching the ball 30 course, yards downfield. Yeah, of course. And so that's what I'm saying. I think Rico is the only big play guy, really. Was he the only one last year, though? Jalen. Well, Jalen was a big play. Regardless okay. of the year he had, he was always a threat to, go to be okay, a big play fair. guy. I mean, I just I just remember what he did sophomore year, Jalen Guyton. Sophomore year, Jalen Guyton is was untouchable he was going deep every he was play the man and again that, that plays into mason being a lot more reckless that year just throwing it up to jalen which is what we wanted more remember of when year. was it uab where jalen caught it over the guy and then stiff armed him and yeah when scored like like that that is that's a deep threat that's a guy who can take the ball take the team take the top off the deep and i think rico's the only one that can do that this year. and that's not a knock because not a lot of teams have multiple guys that can do that right like Houston has one guy that can do that. From my knowledge, I might be wrong on that, but there's one guy that I know of that can do that. Yeah, so, SMU has one guy. Yeah, Prochet. Prochet. So, 
and you saw how SMU was when they had Portland Sutton there too. Um, it just gives you a different dynamic. So that's my only concern is that he's the only guy that can take the top off the defense. So, um, but yeah, do we expect? So what's more likely, him receiving over, getting over a thousand yards receiving again, or getting under eight hundred yards? Ooh, because guy over a thousand. Wow. If we are expecting this offense to have the year that it's going to have, you have to say over a thousand. Yeah. Because if he has under eight hundred, that tells me that tells me that Mason's either not able to get the ball out fast enough, or this team's not scoring. Because he, like you said, he scored twelve touchdowns, and uh, like eight or nine this season. Yeah, and Tory scored fifteen. Mason only Mason threw what twenty eight? Twenty seven. Twenty seven touchdowns. So almost half of his touchdowns were from Rico. If he doesn't get close to half again, that tells me that especially if they don't have a, a receiver that can. Uh, blow the top off of defenses mm-hmm. that tells me that this team's not scoring as much as they should be I don't this team has to be potent I mean has to throw the ball around they have to yeah they have to actually use their deep threats yeah year. you can't you can't just keep throwing the slants well and the everything. thing is last year and I don't want to go too too far into this but last year they had those two take the top off the defense and so that everyone you know was back coverage and then what was open was the underneath route, so they just kept taking right, what was I, open. I don't so it's a different, it's a different. Area. I understand that. Yes, it helps with stuff like that, but you have to utilize your deep threats. And I, I feel like I feel like Rico still has will still open that up for them. Greg White too, because he's not like he's some small guy. Yeah, he for still, sure, he can still grab uh, grab a catch. But you have to utilize. You have to make sure that you keep the threat honest. Yeah. Like otherwise, they're just not going to expect you to do it. All right. On the other side, you mentioned Greg White. Um, he is, like you said, he's a bigger receiver. He's a receiver that I expect to start, even though I've seen Jair, Jair Shorter get a lot of snaps on that opposing uh, receiver spot as well. Uh, Greg is, yeah, okay, I just want to make sure. Greg is a sophomore going into this year, and Jair is a, sof- a sophomore as well, if I'm not mistaken. No, Jair is a f- retro freshman. I'm sorry. So you have those two. Battling it out for spots on the other side. I, I've seen Jair get a lot of snaps. I don't see what he does much better than Greg, if at all. And I don't know if I trust his hands as much as Greg. Like, so yeah. that's why I would lean towards Greg. Jair is a big, <laughs> he's a big receiver. And maybe he can give them another, you know, jump ball guy. Uh but Greg is, I think he's a more sound receiver. I think he's a more all-around guy. I think he's a more balanced guy. So I would like to see Greg start. I think Greg will start, but Jair will get a lot of snaps. Yeah. So that's that's my analysis on both of them going into this year. We also have Austin Agumakin, who is a retro freshman as well. And he's, again, is another big guy. He's another guy over six feet. He's a guy who going to be asked to come in and spot Rico snaps. So he's not, he's gonna have a role on this team. How many catches he gets this year is up for debate because I don't know how much Rico will come out of games. Um, but it depends on what kind of sets they run as well. Yeah. So Austin Agumakin is another name to look out for on the outside. On the inside, we know who we have there. Jalen Darden, Michael Lawrence are the two stars there. They're the two studs. Uh, then you have guys like Dion Hare Griffin, who I've heard great things about. He's gotten a lot of snaps. Um, are we expecting Michael Lawrence and Jalen Darden to take a small step back with the usage of tight ends supposedly supposed no supposedly if any, increasing? If anything, I'd want them to see take a step forward. Yeah, but 
Okay. Yeah, Mike Law took that big stri- big step down last year. Mm-hmm. He dropped down to 433 yards and two touchdowns. That's a compared to his sophomore year, which was in the 700s, I want to say. Yeah, he was up there. Yeah. Um, and Darden took a step forward, obviously, 575 yards, four touchdowns. Do you think they both exceed those numbers? I think you have to have Jalen reach what he at least match what he did last year, and I think Mike Law, you can't you have to have him get 400 yards because I don't see. So you have to make up Jalen's yards. I don't think you're gonna have Greg White get 800 yards. Mm-hmm. You have to make up and some more because they, like like we said, they couldn't score at all in the second half of games, and that was mostly because. And we and, both said Mason's gonna throw for damn near 400 yards, 4,000 4, yards. Yeah. So you have to one make up that 800 yards that Jalen had. And then you have to exceed the 400 yards that Mason didn't have to get to 4,000. 4, so I think you need to see a step. You need to see Jalen match, and you see uh, Mike Law go up. Mm-hmm. So I, let's say Jalen numbers. So yeah. we'll say 500, 500, and then you could say Greg White, 500 or 400. Yeah. The um, man, I I just think Darden is so unique in his ability to get yards after the catch. We saw mm-hmm. him multiple times break people off last year. So. I think that's where his value comes in his yards after the catch. Mike Law is still a possession receiver in a lot of ways. He's still a guy who can get to the sticks, you know, make catches, make tough catches in yeah. a lot of ways. So I like the dynamic that they have at that position. I like the I like the different types of receivers that those two are and how they can give them different things. I think even Darden could play some like on the outside if if they if they yeah, needed he's to. Fast. Yeah, he's yeah. a fast guy that can do a lot, even though he's a short shorter guy. I think Darden is a really versatile receiver that can He's going to have to be guarded by corners. I don't know if safeties can guard him per se. Right. Um, unless if it's a really talented safety like a Kyrie, Kyrie, but if it's a bigger safety then he's going to have trouble. So and a linebacker definitely can't cover him. So you're going to you're going to force teams to play more defensive backs yeah. against Jalen Darden. Um I'm ex- so I'm excited for those two. I agree with you that I think they both have to super, um surpass those numbers. I'd like Mike at 500 plus. I like JD at 600 plus just because like you said, you have to make up those guiding numbers, and mm-hmm. Greg White's going to be really good. But 800 yards and six touchdowns, even though it's down year for Guyton, it's still right. It's still a he prominent wins the NFL. Year. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about Jalen Guyton here with the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. Cow- cow- Cowboy great. Exactly. Is he wearing 88? <laughs> oh, he's. I know. I was joking. 83. Wearing 83. Yeah. yeah, I got that on film. His first catch. Amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Mason had 3,793 yards last year, by the way. So add 200 yards onto that if we're. Yeah. Um, And perhaps add another game if they play in the conference championship. Who Who knows? knows? Um, But I think 300 yards per game is definitely the minimum for. He was at 292 last year. Absolutely. Yeah. Gotta get 300. Um, I also kind of want to talk about how we kind of, or I guess leading up to this podcast, we kind of talked about how Jalen Darden. We both kind of expect to kind of take the majority of those snaps at inside receiver. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of walk that back a little bit for myself. I think that after talking about, you know, Greg White and everything, I think that you'll see Mike Law in more red zone type of situations. Whereas for with Jalen, you're going to want him, you know, midfield trying to get a big play. And I, and, I feel, and I feel like they'll both have the roles like you were saying. And when Mike, when you need it, when you absolutely need a catch, you throw Mike Law out there because he has good hands and he's like you said a possession receiver. He holds the ball. Jalen Darden's going to be the guy that gets you the big play. Um, now I did ask Coach Reader, the offense offense coordinator, Bodie Reader. I asked him the complex of 
you wanting to use the tight ends more, but still having really good inside receivers. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that was always my question. Like, how are you going to use two tight end sets and not play? We talked about this when was two pods ago. I two think. Weeks ago, yeah. yeah, two weeks ago, where you're like, I don't want to use. You know, no offense to Jason Pertle or Cole McCrary, but I don't want to use them in place of Michael Lawrence or Jalen Darden. Right. Like, I'd rather have those guys out there. Even though it's a more versatile set, maybe with the tight ends, it's way more explosive if if you have those those Jalen Darden, Mike Law. So I asked him that a while ago, probably a week or two ago, and he was and his answer didn't really satisfy me because he was just like, "Well, you can play both," and I was like, "Of course you can." I mean, you you can you can do anything, but theoretically, if you have four receivers, you can have one running back or one tight end. Yeah. So something's gonna have to give. If you want to use two tight ends and one running back, you can only have two two receivers. So there is definitely gonna be a give and take in how they use inside receivers. Do they mix it up and put Tory at the slot sometimes? Yeah, they could, but then if they do that, then again, you're taking away snaps from Jalen Darden and Mike Law. Yeah, that's true. So I feel like the, at the end of the day, you they're, they're, they want to use tight ends more, but their biggest assets are their receiving core and quarterback right. that are capable of making explosive plays, Mike Law, JD, and Rico. And it only furthers your argument that there's no real receiving tight end on this team. Kelvin has made strides, but he's still primarily a blocking tight end. Yeah, he's a very good balanced tight end, and I expect him to have a great, great year. Yeah, but we don't know him as the guy, like, some guy that's just going to, you know... He's not Travis Kelsey. Right. He's. I didn't want to make an NFL comparison. I was trying to I like an NFL comparison. All right. Because, you know, people can relate to that. Right. I don't know. But, yeah, he's not, he's not a guy like that or Gronk. Yeah, or, uh, he's gonna catch the ball twenty yards down the right. field and yeah. break a he, tackle. He's a guy go. that's gonna run an in route. Yeah, and he'll catch the ball. Yeah, so uh, that's that was my concern. And obviously, Pirtle and McCray are gonna get plenty of snaps. I think they're gonna be very good. They're gonna help this team be more versatile. But it's gonna be intriguing. I, this is the one thing. This is maybe the most important. This is the most intriguing thing to me is how they're gonna balance the tight end usage with the slot receiver. Well, it has to be because it, it, you could argue that this makes or breaks their season. Yes, how they balance it, right? Yeah, because if you're if you're if Mike Law and Jalen Darren are the guys that are winning you games, and you're throwing out tight ends because that's your system, you know you're losing games at that point. Yeah, I definitely think they'll come out and try to use tight ends more, and they will use tight ends more this season. But at the end of the day, I feel like your bread and butter is your receiving core and your quarterback. Mm-hmm. Until so, you're able to develop that tight end position. Yeah, because yeah, like we said, their second tight end position isn't as strong as they, it would need to be for them to replace Darden or Law. And I'm sure they have a very complex, uh, smart idea for this season. I'm just saying I'm intrigued how they're going to see right. how they're going to do it. Because it's, like, it's not like the Patriots a few years ago when you had Martellus Bennett and Rob Gronkowski yeah. on the on both tight end yeah, spots. That's, like, that's like, yeah, different. It's a different animal. Um Speaking of tight ends, we'll just touch, touch touch on them really quick because we covered them. Kelvin Smith's going to be a senior. I predicted him to be second team all conference. That's how good of a season I think he can have. It's crazy because he had 29 receptions last year. But I feel like I only remember two of them. Yeah. He only had one touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, could we see him get to like 40 receptions this year? Doesn't it, that seem like a lot? It does feel like a lot. That's like but again, almost four a game. Again, you have to make up for those Jalen catches. You have to make up for those Jalen catches, and I don't. I th- you're gonna have to balance it out through everybody. 
I agree. I agree. Uh, forty. I mean, thirty-nine receptions will be three, three a game, pretty much, assuming they make a bowl game. Uh, um, then you have Jason Pertle, who's a junior, and then you have Cole McCray, who's a retro freshman. Again, we talked about them. Neither one of them really jumps off the page. Jason Pertle, they're very different. Jason Pertle's a receiving tight end. You could even, I could see him playing outside more. Yeah, like he's, the reason why he's a tight end because he's slower and he's big. Yeah, he's a big guy, and I'm sure he's capable of blocking. We just haven't seen too much of it. Um, and then you have Cole McCrary, who is a uh, more of a blocking tight end. But we'll, Kelvin told us on the podcast last year that he's got some hands. So we'll have to see that to believe that. Uh, but yeah, both of them have their strengths and weaknesses. Kelvin is obviously the far and away the f- the best tight end this team has. So I'm expecting a big year for him. Nearing 40 catches, nearing 40 receptions. I think that's safe. All right, offensive line. This is the the group that will make or break this this offense. Yeah, because it's made or break it the last few years. Yeah, it has basically. I mean, and they've been able to overcome it. But that's more of Mason overcoming it this is sophomore year. And honestly, he shouldn't have to overcome it this much, like as much as he has. No, I feel like every years. play, even last year, he it was running out of the pocket and throwing the run. We need Mason has to be in the pocket more. And this last year. year was a step up. Yeah, and you said he got sacked twenty eight times. That's too much. Yeah, compared to his first two years though, which yeah. were like in the, I want to say it was like. High thirties. Yeah. His first two years. I, I I I am just glad that I'd never have to see a Jordan Murray getting just <laughs> blown by in the end zone and Mason having to try to save it save the ball from not becoming a safety. Another thing is you don't have to go against Jalen Ferguson. You don't have to go against O'Shawn I think it's O'Shawn Zimenez from Old Dominion this year. Yep. Those were two like amazing defensive ends that they had to play last year that I think Ferguson had four sacks and uh, Zimenez had three. So yeah. and take those seven in, sacks uh, away, hopefully. Now too. Yeah, so take those seven sacks away, and you're adding at left tackle. You're adding graduate transfer DeAndre Plant from Virginia Tech. We've talked about him in depth throughout this offseason. He is expect he is going to come in and start at left tackle. So that yes. tells you everything you need to know about him. Yeah, I mean, we don't know a whole lot about him. To be completely fair, yeah, we, we haven't seen him play. We just know that he's from a Power 5 conference and that he's going to be better than Jordan Murray. Yeah. And so I think, honestly, you give me – it doesn't have to be great at left tackle. You give me a an average left tackle. I would say Jordan Murray is was below average. Yes. As long as he's a step up, I'm okay. Yeah, for sure. Um. Again, yeah, I've I've seen DeAndre playing, you know, in practices and stuff. You've seen him do drills and stuff, but it's completely different than going against – the elite of Conference USA, and he'll face competition at Houston, SMU, um, Cal. Cal has a great defense. Cal might have the best defense they play all year. We're going to know real quickly how, how good, good this offense is. line is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so playing at the uh, left tackle position, I want to shout out backup ti- the backup tackle because he's listed as both the backup for right tackle and left tackle. So I'm assuming if one of them you know goes down, he'll fill in. Uh, Brian Parrish, who is a sophomore, uh, he is the backup tackle. That's just from what I've seen as depth chart goes and what I've seen in practices. Uh, then you have left guard who in uh, Alex Woodworth, who is a senior. I believe he's an all-conference preseason. I'm not sure. Uh, but anyways, Alex Woodworth, you could argue he's the best lineman on this team, roughly, somewhere. He, yeah. I mean, he's very he's very talented. That's what I um, have to say. And his backup, he was not at practice the last two days. Uh, Thomas Preston was there. He is a senior as well. 
um, filling in for him at the guard position. So at least you have some, you know, experience behind Alex right. who was he injured. Last year. Yeah, and Alex was was injured at times last year, and he missed a lot of spring because of that injury. But and he said he's still getting back to 100, percent but he's at probably 90, 95 percent. He's just going to like training and stuff. At center, you have Sasaya Mose, senior. Sasaya Mose. Um, I think, again, you have another talented guy that all of the conference views as like, all right, that guy's good. That guy's solid. Yeah. And so you have him, and then you have his brother, Manasse Mose, at right guard, um, who's a sophomore, and he was on the all freshman team last year. Or, yeah, I believe he was on the all freshman team last year for Conference USA. Um, the backup for Sasaya center is Chad Hickson. Um, and the backup for Manasse Mose is Chandler Anthony. So, and those are names that at least we've heard of. Right. Like, at least, played. yeah, at least they're, we're not like reaching at names we don't know. So yeah, that's it's, a good it's not some freshman that has never touched exactly. the, the field before. Exactly. So. And then at right tackle is probably the biggest red flag, but I mean, why is it a red flag? Tell me the story. Okay, I'll take this. So, so tell the listeners it's, the story. It's Jacob Brammer. Yeah. Uh, currently, he has a club on his right hand, so he has a little bit of trouble right now as far as blocking goes. Um, he was in and out. He started, I think, four games last year for Jordan Murray, something like that. Mm-hmm. Couldn't. He wasn't better than Jordan Murray last year, but he was a freshman. Right, and we all we were all like, "Oh, better potential." Yeah, better potential. Play him. So he's just starting at right tackle this year. That's that's a big. That's a big, big spot for this team. And so he's had a club on his hand, and he's so he's going against Ladarius Hamilton in practices. Ladarius Hamilton is a top two or three defensive end in this conference. So he's getting good practice. Ladarius Hamilton, just from the practice I went to, just ate his lunch the last time I saw. It was it was pretty crazy. Ladarius, you know when you say, like, really old idioms? Ladarius like, Hamilton <laughs> ate his lunch. <laughs> ate his lunch. There's no other way to say this. And But I feel bad because Bremer's hand is a club, so he couldn't grab him or anything. So the guy, so Ladarius is just giving him the old like swim yeah, move. or the it's, old, like, it's like a practiced uh Yeah, kind thing. of. Yeah. Um, I mean, then he gave him a bull rush, and Ladarius is going to be really good. We talked about that last year. So it's not an indictment per se, but Jacob Bremer's going to have to show us that he – yeah, belongs with these other four because these other four are proven at least. Like these other four yeah. are like, we know that they're going to. The be, line's an actual line. At now. the very worst, those other four are going to be solid. Yeah. So Brammer's going to have to step up to that because he is the young one on this lineup. I mean, Manas is also a sophomore, but he is one of the young ones on this line, and he's going to have to prove it. So if this offense wants to be consistent, they're going to have to good have to have good offensive line play across the board, really. So. um like you said, this is the best offensive line since Latrell's been here. So best offensive line since I've I've covered the team. Yeah. Well, that's only an extra year. So. Five years. This will be my fifth year. Yeah. No, I'm saying it's only an extra year along with me. Like. Oh yeah. Okay. Beyond me. Anyways, that was um, the offensive line. What is? You have a biggest concern for this offensive line, or are you skeptical still, or how are you feeling? No, about I think this offensive line. line you're sold. I'm sold on the offensive line. It's, I mean, you have to be. We can't sit here and say we can't. We sit here. And, we can't sit here and say, oh, it's like last last season. We were like, oh, just plugging uh, Bramer at left tackle. You can't say that this year because you only have Ma- this is Mason's last year. Yeah. You either do it or you don't. Can't experiment. Right. There's no experiment. This is all in year. The line from what it's supposed to be 
should be solid. It should be a good offensive line. Um, they brought in DeAndre Planton. The Mosley brothers are good. Mm-hmm. And then you have experience across the board. There's no reason why this line should not be good. Yes. Good. That's it. That works for Above average. I just we just want good because Mason's never top had half, top half of the conference. Mason USA. has never had that. Like I want top seven in conference USA. That's all I want. Yeah, that's all I want. Because if you give Mason an extra second on the throw, it changes him. everything. Exactly. All right. I think we covered all the positions well. Um let's get into my three big questions. Are these loaded questions? Are these they're, the they're pretty loaded? loaded. They're right. pretty loaded. I I can't describe how, but they're they're loaded. All right. Um, I've never heard these yet, and so. we've also touched on them a little bit before, so I'm not gonna. I don't know. Let's not just go off on them. Exactly. All right. All right. First question is: Can the offense find consistency this year, and how do they do it? Yes, they can. Um, I think that was the layup, and now I'm gonna give you. No, I'm 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 trying to exp, ex, ex, expand. Expand. Yeah, okay, well, I was ahead. trying to think of Sorry. another word. Uh, but I think it starts at Mason and not offensive coordinator. Interesting. And that's only because I think like Mason needs to just whenever he, like last year when he was out there and Graham said, "Hey, look for this right on a passing play, the slant or a flat or whatever." Yeah. I feel like Mason just needs to be like, "Well, hey, I'll just try something." You know what I mean? Like yeah. more often, like just do something. Like obviously, you don't want to just have him be wild and reckless. Yeah, but but well, use that ability that we know you have, which is improvising. He needs. I feel like he needs to improvise more instead of just showing everybody what he's going to do every time. Yeah. Because far too often, like when he had to escape the pocket, it'd be the same thing, throw away, or it'd be he never took risks. And I feel like it starts. It starts with Mason. The offensive coordinator can only do so much. Yes, Graham had some questionable play calls last year on those third and ones and whatever. But at the end of the day, Mason's the one performing. Question. Yes. Is there a direct correlation between risk and consistency? So if this so you're are you saying that if this offense is more is more um risky, is more, you know, potent or tries to be more potent as in like Going for the big play more often, will that is there a correlation between that and being more consistent as an offense? Absolutely, and I that's because it's with the talent that they have, you have to be. Mason isn't some system quarterback. You know what I mean? He's not like a a Joe Flacco now or like a Peyton Manning a few years ago. He's the guy that you need to run the offense through, and he needs to do what he does, and that is either making the just the right throw or improvising if the throw's not there and instead of just, you know, settling for a sack or settling for a loss of yards or settling for the one yard gain on a third down. He needs to just kind of go for it a few times and I feel like this team requires that. You know, you don't have a running back that can carry a team. Yes, you have DeAndre Torrey who's solid, but he's not going to carry a team to a win. Like a Zeke Elliott. Jeff Wilson. Or Jeff, exactly, like a Jeff Wilson. Um, I'm glad you answered that because I, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that the answer is is that we've seen this offense not take a lot of risks, and so we know that that's not consistent. Right. So because you think about it too much, they thought about it too much. Yeah. So if we know from experience that being conservative leads to inconsistencies, we have to assume that taking risks leads to consistency. And and I and. 
I don't want to get this confused with risking, taking risk and being reckless are two very different things. Yes. Reckless is like Matt Stafford. I'm making all these NFL comparisons now because he told me I can. He'll he'll load the stat sheet, but he's not going to win you games. Yeah. And I'm a Lions fan, so. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's that's going to be the interesting complex and how they balance that this year. How they how aggressive Mason is and how much freedom Mason has and how much he takes advantage of that freedom at the line of scrimmage, whether it's changing a play call, whether it's changing hot, hot routes, whether it's, you know, audibling, whatever. Right, and and you have, you obviously have more knowledge of this than I would. Did he have that freedom last year? From what... See, the thing is, when he went to the line of scrimmage last year, they would... At times, they'd get to the line quick. So they'd get to the line with 20 seconds left on the play clock. Mm-hmm. And then... They would either snap their play real quick if they like their look, or more often than more often, they would, you know, clap, 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 see see if anyone bites or see what linebackers are coming or whatever, and then they look over to Graham Harrell, and he would, or not, obviously Graham Harrell's in the box, but he would call play from that point on, and then they would go from there and snap the ball with like five seconds. So what I get from that is that Graham Harrell is calling the play with ten seconds on the clock. They relay it to everyone. They snap the ball with five seconds on the clock. And you don't. There's not a lot of wiggle, wiggle room. Whereas in this off season, they've implemented the the pace mm-hmm. being the biggest biggest difference. So Bodie Reader wants to get to the line and wants to go fast, and wants to actually go fast, not just get to the line yeah. fast. And so when you get there fast, I would assume Mason, with 25 seconds on the play clock, if he sees something that like safety's down or something, boom, 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 we're gonna hit Rico on a post route instead. He can be like, hey, Rico post like he'll have that freedom more often this year and i think there'll be more play time on the clock for him to do that so that's my hope and i think that comes with playing fast so if you play fast you know the defense will be more discombobulated you'll have more options that's my opinion on that um all right that was my first question second question (laughs) is there a chance we are a overhyping bodie reader or b underselling Graham Harrell? I think neither. I so think, you, so I, you don't think there's a chance? I don't think we're over... I don't think we're over... What do you think is more either. likely? I don't I don't think either of them are more likely. I, and I, I only say that because... So we are perfectly... I don't think we're calling Bodie Reader the savior of this offense. I think Bodie Reader isn't some special ridiculous you know godsend that's going to like fix this offense i think Bodie reader was a need of change of scenery for mason i think all this revolves around mason i think graham harrell and mason did what they did they did great but they hit their ceiling i feel like Bodie's just a, a different guy to give a different look and i think it all starts with mason that's why that's why i say mason's the reason why this team needs to mason's how this team's going to be consistent it's not the offensive coordinator yeah i think Bodie is just an offensive coordinator, he's not bad or anything. It's just that it was a, it was a change of scenery, is what I think it was. And we're not we're not underselling Graham Harrell. No, I think Graham did Graham did exactly what he did need to do. He rebuilt North Texas's offense and made Mason what he is. And now I think it was time for them to kind of both move on from each other. And you bring in some new guy to kind of make things a little bit different and add a different dynamic to what they're doing. Um, it's funny I asked this question because USC sees Graham Harrell as their savior. It's a very, very different complex from where North Texas sees Bodie Reader. Like, I think USC is a little more uh, obviously crazed and doesn't have the stability 
Yeah, they as, had Steve Sarkeesian, like, leave and come back. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't have the stability, and then they don't have also the stability at quarterback. Yeah. So when you don't have all that stability, you take anything you can get. So when you get Graham Harrell, you know, who did all this work at North Texas, they are praising him as the savior. And North Texas isn't doing that. And that's what I've found interesting this offseason is that the addition of Bodie Reed has kind of just been like, oh, cool. Well, because isn't it? The only thing, the only thing that we are saying he's doing different is going faster and running different sets. Yeah, he's not. He is not here to develop Mason. You are right. You are right. He is here to give a new look to this offense, and that is all he's here to do. You're right. The players have even said themselves like, not too too much is different. Like the, like for God's sakes, a lot of the the play calls are are the same right like as far as like their names and stuff like a lot of the names that they use or the terminology they use is the same right so year one especially with Seth Luttrell being here and Luttrell having such an offensive background there not a lot's going to change so I just think it's interesting and so I yes I do agree that they shouldn't be praising Bodie Reader as this and that and this even though he has had success um, and he presumably will be good for this offense I just think it's funny how some programs view a change and some just because of the stability. Yeah, the stability there, alone changes. USC how you and North view. Texas, although on completely different levels of the of conference course, spectrum, yes, there are different stages in their development. This North Texas's team, this is their peak. Whatever they do this, this is season it. is their peak. USC is rebuilding something that they used to have. After this year, North Texas will be in the same spot as USC is in last year. They'll get a new head coach. Everyone will be excited. And then depending on the results, they could get a new head coach. Okay, sorry. It's, Come on now. It's I'm not. I'm just presumably if they have the big year. Yeah. That they're supposed yeah, to have. Sure. All right. Question number three. How big of an impact will the trail calling more plays have? I think huge impact. And I only and I think that because I think he'll give Mason flexibility, because him. He knows they both trust each other. Yes. This isn't a Graham's in the box talking to someone on the on the field and then relaying the play to Mason. This is they're both on the sideline. They're able to talk to each other. Seth can be like, "Hey, I'm gonna do this. If you see this, go ahead and do whatever." You know, it's, yes. this this adds to that more of what we want from Mason: the improv, improv, improvisation, the risk taking. You know, they trust each other. The the caveat to this is that I'll say it won't have it won't change that much. If, and obviously with a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive coordinator coming in with Mason going into a senior and Seth going into the same year as Mason, that would, Mason, Seth was always going to call the plays going into this year as far as like the majority of them. Right. If Bodie had been here like already and was familiar with him, I can see Bodie having the same mindset as, as Latrell because I think Latrell hired Bodie because he has a similar approach to what he wants on offense. Mm-hmm. So, and that's different from what Graham had. Right. So that's why I say it's going to have a big difference because Graham, what Graham ran from calling 70% of the offense last year is vastly different from what Bodie and Seth yeah. are going to call. So I think it will have a big impact as far as the change from Graham to Latrell. Now, if you said the change from Bodie to Latrell, I said I would say it wouldn't have much of a difference. That's fair. That's but, fair. But yes, Graham from to Latrell will have a substantial difference that I think we'll be able to see. And even we see that in RPOs. That's yep. the first the first tell. I think they're gonna run an RPO in the first 
four plays of this season. <laughs> Book it. It's going to happen. Write it down. Write it down somewhere. Opposing, opposing uh, defenses are now listening to the I'm podcast. not joking. They will run an RPO very early in this season, and it's going to catch some people off guard, but it's also going to be like, yeah, we added this. And yeah. then they're going to get that first down, and then they're going to go up and snap the ball in six seconds. And be like, yeah, we added this too. Like, Evelyn Christian's just going to be a big talent show. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be what Lamar was meant, was supposed to be last year. Yeah. Exactly. Or Incarnate Word. I don't and, Well, the thing is, when well, Incarnate Word was last year, Lamar was. Okay. Well, it was going to be what was Incarnate Word was supposed to be. It's going to be, it's going to be more than just throwing a bunch of touchdowns. It's going to be, it's going to be a show. Like you yeah, said. Yeah, it, sh- it should be a show. Um, and especially since they start the year with that game. So. Yeah. Um, all right. That was, those are my three big questions, Colin. So finally, let's get into our expectations. Okay. Do we expect this team to average over 36 and a half points a game? Absolutely. So what are we talking? What are our expectations here? How many points are we talking? They here? averaged 38 his sophomore year. Give me 39. We're not touching 40. It's just that four four is a big number. Do you feel 40, it? 40 is a big number. Yeah. 39. Give lot. me 39. Give me 39. I'll say 40. All right. You'll Let's take have 40. a wager. This, if this is the price is right, you win automatically because you're no, 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 no. Forty points or more, I win. Thirty nine or, or less, you win. If it doesn't touch forty, you win. But see, I want them to get the thirty nine. I want them to have thirty nine. Okay, yes, but this is just a friendly wager. Okay, friendly wager. What are we friendly wagering? Your computer. <laughs> My job. Your job. <laughs> yes, exactly. If they don't touch forty, you're fired. Okay. Um. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, all right, we'll just we'll just look back on this. All right? Okay. Uh, and we have our season preview coming up next week, we'll, we'll, where we'll predict game by game stuff. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into that. But um, I think forty. I think forty is a good number. I think forty, give or take one yeah. point. Don't expect like forty-five. Not, but no, like... God no. <laughs> but increased pace, maybe a slightly worse defense, but more pressure on the offense. Yeah. Have to play well, senior Mason, the best quarterback in conference USA. Presume- six for Heisman. Six for yeah, like a Heisman again. <laughs> no, I'm just but no, you have too many. You have too many players on this offense to score thirty-five points a game. Yep. So, um, oh, also expectations. Do we expect so DeAndre Torrey last year? Uh, I want to say he finished with about six hundred, seven hundred yards. Mm-hmm. We finished with nine hundred seventy-seven yards. I'm completely wrong. He did that on one hundred seventy-five carries. Do we expect DeAndre Torrey to hit a thousand yards? No, not at all. Even though he not almost did it last year. Not not at all. Not even, not even. Give me seven hundred and fifty, close to that. Wow. So nobody touches over eight hundred yards on this offense. No. On the rushing no. on the ground. Damn. They are gonna pass this ball. Yeah, but they're gonna run the ball too. Torrey got a lot of touches because they were unable to do it through the air. Tell me I'm wrong. I mean, you're not wrong. But when they make it needed, sound like this team's not going to run the ball. I'm not saying they're not going to run the ball, but we talked about how Lauren's going to be back. You have Oscar. You have Nick Smith. There's going to be more sharing this year because you don't have an injured Lauren. You have an improved... I mean, Nick Smith isn't going to improve every year. You have Oscar Attaway. You have Evan Johnson who got snaps two years ago. This running back class is too deep, and I feel like for what they want to do, you're going to see less of Tory. That doesn't mean that he's going to not start or anything. I just see like they're gonna try to do more through the air. Okay. There's no way that oh that's total offense. Okay. 
They rushed for 2,000 yards last year. Yeah, give me the under. As a total. Give me the under. So you're going to so you're going to say let's just quickly presume let's say 800 from Tory um assuming a healthy Lauren 500 from Lauren 400 from Nick right there that puts you at 1700 so then yeah 300 from Jason Bean No but <laughs> no but you get 300 yards just from your yeah. other three backs and quarterbacks and stuff like that Okay I mean if that and that total could go down. Two thousand yards rushing could go down to seventeen hundred, eighteen hundred. Yeah, and I and it. I feel like it has to. Because you, they ran the ball so much. Not if in they the, run more plays. They ran the ball in the second half so much to try to preserve a lead that they eventually lost. Not if, not if, I'm telling you, not if. Um, not if there are more plays. Yeah, not if there are more plays. We'll if they, see. they run. We'll if see. they play faster, okay, over under seventeen hundred and fifty yards. Total as a team, uh, rushing. Uh, I'll say more. I'll say they're t- they're close to two thousand. Give me under. That'll be a big change, because I just I just threw the ball it's not because stick. they're doing something different on offense. I just think that they have to score through the air. Okay. Well, you know what Bodie Reader once said: "Run <laughs> the ball for yards, you can throw the ball for miles." It's true. Um. All right, let's get into our sleeper picks. Who are two players? Two players from this offense. That you think will either surprise us or break onto the scene, or both. They're probably. I think Mike Law will surprise us this year. I think he will be used a lot more in the red zone, like ten and goal or first in goal, something like that. I think we'll see him a lot more in those short short situations. Um, so I think he'll get more. Probably like I think he'll get. I'll I'll say he'll get six touchdowns. I think Mike Law will get six touchdowns. Um, I have to pick two. Yeah, pick a second. Man, that's tough. Like, give me. They have to break out on the scene. Hey, I'm I'm gonna go offensive lineman. Okay, where you going? Give me DeAndre Planton. All right. I think I think he's gonna do more than what we both expect of him. Great. Okay, my picks are gonna be Jair shorter. On the outside, even though I think Greg White starts, and I think he has a good season, Air Shorter is gonna gonna make some plays this year. And then I don't think Oscar Adaway redshirts, and I think that he makes an impact. So I was gonna say him, but I wasn't sure. Here's my thing, though. I also like Nick Smith. I know you always like Nick Smith. So Nick, stuck up for, for so Nick man. Smith is also gonna make have a good year. So it's gonna be fun. Can't wait. All right, uh, let's get to questions from listeners. We only have, I think it's three this year, this this week. All right. Um, North Texas Sports Network asks, is the O-line going to be better for both pass and run? Yes. For both of them? Yeah. You're bringing, back, should, the right? same, you're bringing back the same line except for left tackle and right tackle. And yeah. you could argue left, I mean, left tackle is going to be way better, you expect. Yeah. And right tackle is going to be the same, if not better. Hopefully. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see both of them being better. Pass will definitely be better. Run should be better, considering your inside linemen are, are better yeah. or are year more experience. All right. Ryan Gano says, "How do you foresee snaps being split for running backs? Awfully full house back back there." I I think that it'll be very situational. So, like you said, if you need a if you're third and one, you run Lauren easily out there. If it's 
you're trying to have some shifty, elusive guy, throw out Tory. I mean, it's very situational, I think, this year. where Because you have... Evan Johnson, I feel like, last year, because it went Tory, Nick Smith, Evan Johnson, Anthony Weich. Nick Smith was kind of banged up a little bit last year. Yeah. I feel like you're going to see a lot more situations, depending on what what a guy does. Like, you could even say who does better in practice that week is going to get snaps. Yeah. So. Definitely. I, I agree with you. I can't really add anything more. We've talked about that a lot. Yeah. We've talked about it a lot already. All right. Uh, John Little asks... Um, how do you envision the team using tight ends this year? That's the first part of his question. We we kind of answered that already. Um, I do think that they're going to catch more passes. I do think they're going to be used more in sets. I do think that we're going to see the second and third string tight ends more. So overall, we're going to see just more tight ends in general. Um, how effective they are is going to be the is going to be the question that yeah. we're going to have to answer. So I do feel like we talked about that. Question in pretty, in, pretty, in pretty good depth. Already, depth yeah. Um, second question is, what specific numbers would Mason and the team have to put up to get, for him to get serious Heisman consideration? So we can re- kind of relate this to a quarterback a few years ago for Hawaii. I forgot what he threw up, but it was like a lot. Or it was Ridiculous. nothing that I couldn't like even five thousand. I couldn't even expect Mason to touch those numbers, and like that's 5, not a knock on Mason. That's just because there's other there's other weapons on this team. Yeah, Jordan. Lillard, In order yeah. for them to do it, you'd have to go. You could maybe lose one game, and that only game could be against Cal. Yeah, and, it'd have to be a close loss and to it, Cal. You'd have to blow out every other team. Yeah, you'd have to go twelve and one. Win close the loss against Cal. Close win against Houston. Blow out every other team. Yeah, so you'd have to go twelve and one. Mason would have to put up forty five hundred yards. You'd have to put up thirty six touchdowns. Yeah, high thirties. Yeah, high thirties. Then you'd have to throw, you know, in the single digits for interceptions, probably like seven or eight. Um, He'd have to complete again over sixty-two percent of his passes, and he'd have to have like a Heisman type play. Yeah, he'd have to like escape like three three guys. He'd have to hurdle someone. He'd like have UTSA. To, he'd have to yeah. The he'd mid-term, have to, mi- mi- yeah midterm. Yeah, he, he needs that except this year. Yeah, with with more team success. So, um, and like just a national story, I guess about him. So, yeah, yeah. Someone needs to do a story on his height. I don't think that's been done yet. Is he taller than Kyler Murray? All right, he's automatically an NFL quarterback. There you go. There you go. Write it down. <laughs> there you go. And finally, the last question from John is, which freshman or redshirt freshman will make the biggest offensive impact? Jair Shorter is a redshirt freshman. Cole McCrary is a redshirt freshman. Um, Oh, true freshman, Oscar Attaway. Am I forgetting someone? Uh, Austin Agumakin is a redshirt freshman as well. Those are the only four. Out of those guys... I don't know. I feel like you'll you'll hear more a lot more about Oscar. He'll do something on some like carry that'll get randomly thrown in there, and he'll do something, and he'll be like, "Oh yeah, look, Oscar did something really yeah. good." I think Jair Short is going to be more of a just kind of backup. He's just going to thrown in there. I feel like we're going to see Oscar jump off the page more. Of the highlights, yeah. Uh, one more freshman I want to shout out: Devin Langston had a great spring. Uh, I haven't seen him too much this fall, but Devin Langston, keep an eye out for him. Okay. Never talked to him before. <laughs> He's a great guy. Um, anyways, on the pod. thank you, John, uh, for the questions. Thank you, North Texas Sports Network. Thank you, Ryan, for the question. We appreciate all of them. I think I think we've covered this offense. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Gosh, it's, it's all we, the way. It's all the way through. I'm just ready for this damn season to start. I am too. That's it. I'm just ready. I'm just hoping. 
ACU is just a destruction. <laughs> I want to have my story written by the second quarter of ACU. That's the beginning how, of the second quarter. Yes. I just wanna, I'm just going to start writing as soon as it kicks off. I, I need it. I need to do that. I've never done that before. I really Save the soundbite for if they lose. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, okay. But no, it's I'm tired of going to practices. I just want the year to start. So I can't wait. How far are we away, Colin? Two weeks? Yeah. If, 15 days. 15 days, Colin. Woo! Let's do it. I'm ready. All right. Next week, we are going to have a full uh, kind of a season preview in a way. Like of North Texas. Yeah. We'll, for North Texas, we'll predict, you know, records. We'll do our final super. We'll do our preseason superlatives as well. You know, all that good stuff. Um, you know, most likely players to most likely player to break out, most likely player to uh, underachieve uh, offense MVP, defense MVP, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we'll make our season season predictions. Uh, so a loaded podcast next week. We'll touch on Conference USA as well, just the West Division, really, just because because that's who North Texas has to play. Um, and then after that, it'll be straight Abilene Christian time. So we look forward to that. We look forward to getting even deeper into this team. If you don't know everything about this team at this point, just from listening to us, then we have not Please done subscribe to Mean Green 24-7. Thank you, Colin. And uh, so subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, uh, Bruni's Breakdown, and then on Spot on uh, SoundCloud as well, Bruni's Breakdown Podcast. Leave us a rating on Apple. Uh, if you disagree with us, please let us know, respectfully, of course. And we thank you for joining us. You have a great week.